You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning, North Valley. Uh, I'm very, I feel very honored, very privileged to be in front of you here this morning to share with you. Uh, as some of you may or may not know, my name is Brian Carr. I serve on staff here, uh, kind of in two parts. Uh, first part is uh, I'm the elementary coordinator. So that means each and every week I get in front of your kids and get to share with them the good news of Jesus, get to share awesome Bible stories um, every week. And honestly, that's what I love to do. This is great, and I love you guys, but I love getting in front of your kids. Um, The second thing, though, I also serve as the executive coordinator. And if those of you are wondering what does that mean, uh, basically, it just means that when Pastor Ryan's not sure how to get something done or what to do, he says, hey, Brian, can you do this? And I think that's perhaps why uh, I'm up here this morning in front of you guys. So uh, the truth is I've had opportunities to preach in the past, uh, but this is my first time here before you all. So hopefully uh, you guys are ready to go, buckle up. It's gonna be a really, really fun ride. So if you look at the screen, uh, you can see a picture here of my family. So uh, there's me, uh, Brian, my wife, Alita, And we have two boys, Brian, who's six years old on the bottom there, and Luke up top. He is almost two. He'll be two in August. And uh, we've actually been married nine years, almost nine years. This year will be nine years. So that's... Some of you are like, all right. And some of you are like, man, you got a ways to go, you know. But... The truth is, uh, I'm very, very thankful, and I love my family, and it's actually really neat. Some of you are like, you know, we've been married X number of years. I, fortunately, I was married in 2010, so for me, the math is super easy. So it's like 2019, nine years, 2010. I mean, it's like, it's easy. You know, some of you guys are married in like 87. It's like, good luck, you know, doing the math on that. But for me, it's very, very uh, easy to make sure I, I, I'm saying the right thing as far as those years that we've been married. So Uh, I want to hop in today and share kind of a a fun story uh, from the Old Testament. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. And the topic I'm talking about today is marriage and communication. And this is a story uh, from the Old Testament. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 6. So if you have your Bible or your YouVersion app and you want to turn there, you're welcome to. Uh, I'm not going to read it word for word. I'm going to kind of just tell you the story. So basically, there's a story of King David... uh, they finally have gotten the Ark of the Covenant back from their enemy. And while the Ark of the Covenant was in the enemy's camp, it was like destroying the city. It was a bad situation, but they were able to rescue it. They were able to bring it to one of the the cities of Israel. And because the Ark of the Covenant was there at that time, the presence of God often rested over the Ark of the Covenant. And this city was so blessed because the Ark of the Covenant was there. And so David sitting in his, in his king, you know, his castle in Jerusalem was like, man, we need to bring the Ark of the Covenant from that city. We need to bring it to Jerusalem because we want the blessing of the Lord to be in our city. And so the story goes something like this. Basically, they start to bring the, the, the Ark of the Covenant from the city that it's at to the city of Jerusalem. And they had tried to do this once before and it didn't go well. They didn't do it the way they're supposed to. Somebody died. You should read about it. It's a really cool story. That's actually kind of sad. But now David's making sure that he does it the right way. So every six steps on the way from the city it's at to the city of Jerusalem, they are offering a sacrifice of like uh, an animal and an ox. And that's a lot of sacrifices. I, don't, I didn't look up how far, but it was a long ways. So let's just say 
while this is happening, David is just hyped. He's excited. The Ark of the Covenant is coming to Jerusalem and he begins to just worship God because the presence of God is there and he's so filled with the spirit and so excited that he begins to just dance and spin like the whole way. And he's even dancing and spinning, gets to the city, the Ark is there. And while he's spinning, some of you maybe know this story, he's wearing kind of like a, a robe type of deal. It's called an ephod. And and the, the word for, for dance in the, in, in the scripture basically means like to whirl or to spin. And if you've seen little kids with dresses, when they whirl and spin, sometimes, you know, what happens? The, the, the robe or the dress, it starts to kind of come up. So here's David, he's dancing, he's spinning. And well, you know what happens? Some, people start seeing stuff they weren't supposed to see. So anyways, and one of the people that saw something was his wife, Michael. And now Michael, there's a lot of history there. We won't go into the whole thing, but you know, you can just imagine if you see your spouse dancing and things are being shown that shouldn't be shown, uh, you might get a little upset. And the Bible says that Michael was a little upset and she basically confronts David. And what we're going to talk about today is how you can confront people in a good way, how you can confront your spouse in a good way. This wasn't really that good of a way. So I'm just going to read this part for you real quick. So David is out blessing households. He's really excited. He comes home to his household, but he's not even in the door yet. And it says, and David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. So he didn't even make it in his house yet. And here comes Michael. And she just begins to light him up. How the king of Israel honored himself today. This is verse 20, if you want to follow along. How the king of Israel honored himself today. Uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows, shamelessly uncovers himself. So, I mean, she's got some good stuff there, but man, she let him have it. And then verse 21, so David then retorts, he comes back and says, it, uh, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father. And if those of you don't know, dude, her dad, was Saul, the guy God kicked out because he wasn't following uh, the, the blessings and the things, the directions of Samuel and the directions of God. So there's a lot of history here. And maybe in your marriage, there's a lot of history. And it's very easy to kind of poke and jab. And we're going to talk about that. But here in this story, it says, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel and over the people of the Lord. And I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day after her death. Whoa, that's pretty intense. Now, scholars aren't 100% sure whether that means that because she confronted David like that, or if it's because like they had the fight to end all fights and there was no more kids after that. The Bible's not exactly 100% clear, but regardless, it's pretty easy to see that even though I think both people in that story had very uh, reasonable uh, things, offenses to hold against the other person. I mean, David, he's dancing before the Lord, should be dancing before the Lord. The Holy Spirit was there. The power of God was covering the Ark of the Covenant. The glory of God was filling that place. I'm telling you, when you've experienced it, it makes you want to dance. And so David was doing what he should have done, dancing before the Lord. And Michael, I mean, she, she you know, the Bible talks a lot. She actually, she loved David. There's some pretty good uh, references in scripture to support that. But 
she comes at him, man, and she just lets him, lets him have it. And I think there's a lot that we can take from the story to try to help us understand maybe some things that we can do better in our own marriages. And so, you know, like I said, there's a lot of history, a lot in this story, but perhaps that's you. Maybe there's a lot of history. Maybe there's a lot of things in your life that when you get into a conflict with your spouse, it all comes out. But we're going to find and talk through some ways to uh, maybe make that happen a little bit better. So the first passage that I want you guys, or a second passage, I guess, to turn to is uh, Colossians uh, chapter three. There it is. Verse one through 17. So this is a passage. um, Paul was writing a letter to the church of Colossae, and he wanted to encourage them as believers to follow God, to to give them some tools to practice, to be uh, more in uh, communion or more in a a better relationship with each other as the church and with God. And so he kind of gives these two contrasting uh, ways of handling um, situations, and we're going to talk about them. So I'm going to jump to verse, now let's read the whole thing, 1 through 17. It says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So basically it's just saying, hey, you have been raised with Christ. Once we have accepted Jesus as our Savior, once we've invited the Holy Spirit into our lives and repented from our sin, we are now living in a, a new life that's seated with God. And we need to begin to set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so then he says, this is what you need to do. Put to death, this is verse five, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Here comes a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On the count of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Now, I think most of us can look at this list and be like, well, duh, like those are some pretty bad things, you know, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Those are some pretty bad things. And hopefully we've got a pretty good grasp on, uh, on those things. But then he comes up with a follow-up and he says, in those, uh, in these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. You ready for the second list? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now, these ones, yeah, I think we probably fall into the second list a lot more frequently. Anger. You know, it's funny, as Christians, perhaps you've heard the passage, be angry and sin not. You know, and I think a lot of us sometimes think, well, that's the kind of anger I have. I have righteous anger, you know, but I would, I would caution you to, to really evaluate, all right, is this anger righteous anger or is this just anger, anger? And some of the things that may come from just anger, anger are these other things he lists, wrath, malice, slander. Do you begin to talk bad about your specifically, you know, spouse? We're talking about marriages. When you get upset after a fight, do you go, you know, call up your closest friend, you won't believe what someone, or man, you should have seen what my wife did last, you know, like, is that what you do? Do you go and you begin to talk bad about your spouse? Um, hopefully not, but that's what he's trying to encourage. Is like, hey guys, you have to put these things away as well. And then here's what he says. So 
Uh, that first fill-in, if you wanted to put it down, is the old dead way, the old dead way. So we have to put away the old dead way. But here's the, the new renewed way, the new renewed way. So then he says in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So the new way is the renewed way, and that equals harmony. And so really, I I love this passage because Paul is basically saying, hey, listen, there's gonna be conflict. And I think if you're married for more than a day, you know there's gonna be conflict in marriage. And that's not what I'm, I'm not here before you to say, hey, you know, uh, as believers, as Christians, you know, you need to not ever fight because that is not true at all. But I am happy to report, I, I forgot to mention it earlier, but my wife and I actually got to attend the marriage seminar last week and we're very thankful Pastor Ryan let us do that. And I am happy to report we, we do have a perfect marriage now. So that's not true. But, but the point is this, is that we have to begin to work at the renewed way. And renewed doesn't mean that once you've made a decision for Christ, once you've decided I wanna have my marriage honor God and honor Christ, it immediately happens. It's a process. And so renewed basically just means uh, transformation in an ongoing way. And so as we begin to walk out this thing called oneness, and that's what we've been kind of talking about over the last couple of weeks is oneness with our spouse. That's the design that God put in place from the beginning in the garden that the two should become one flesh. And that is the design that God has given us. And so as we become one flesh, that becomes uh, One, honoring to your spouse. Two, honoring to God. And three, it honors the world around you. As you begin to invest uh, into an honoring oneness marriage, it begins to bless those around you as well. And so my encouragement is let's go for this oneness marriage thing. Let's continue to find ways to equip ourselves to get through the hard times because we're all going to have hard times. We're all going to have difficult conversations, but there is a way that we can work through them in a way that honors God. So I'm going to give you guys uh, some tips that we can talk through and some uh, just fun kind of communication styles to help us understand maybe why we have some of the difficulties we have in our marriage. So the uh, first thing we'll talk about is communication styles. So you can see on your program, I wrote down six of them. Um, Feel free as we're going through them. If you know which one you are, you can circle it. If you know which one your spouse is, you could put a star next to it. And then maybe after service, you can talk about it because that's what we're all about, communication. So uh, the first two is land the plane versus enjoy the ride. So these two communication styles are very different. The land the plane communicators want to find the shortest path to the goal. The destination is the goal. So they're constantly like, okay, I see you're talking. Get to the point. I want to know what you're talking about. Get to the point. A lot of times, land the plane people, they do this with their hands. You know, you see them at the, they're doing this, they're doing this, because they want the plane to get landed, okay? And then you have, on the other side, the enjoy the ride people, and they're the ones, you know them. I mean, like, pretty much every one of these, there's going to be somebody that pops in your head almost instantaneously. They're the ones that are like, they want to tell you about why they 
you know, I said this morning, I forgot to brush their teeth, but instead they start talking to you about like a week ago, how they let the cat out before the dog. And they just tell you this long, long story because um, it's all about the trip. They just enjoy talking. It's relax, enjoy the ride. So oftentimes those two, they can do a lot of this because there's a lot of this. And there's like, why aren't you listening to me? Or why aren't you listening to me? You know, so we have to find a way to work together. The next two, share your feelings versus just the facts. And I will say, uh, just a quick pause on that, you know, there are differences between male and female in communication styles, but they're not universal. And so sometimes you might think, well, that's, and it's not always the case. So you wanna make sure you're actually correctly identifying who is what when you're communicating. All right, so share your feelings versus just the facts. So sharing, uh, share your feelings communicators feel deeply about the things they communicate. Emotions are a part of the conversation. So they're gonna be like, when this happened, it made me feel and I was so hard and a lot of emotion gets put into the, the conversation. And then you have the person that's just the facts. And they're like, you know, they're all about, no, who cares about emotions, logic, reason, and facts. Emotions interfere with a good conversation. So that's like Star Trek and Spock, you know? He's just like, this is how it works. You know, it doesn't matter about anything else. This is what the, you know, calculations say. But uh, these two can often conflict because just the facts is like, yeah, every, you know, what happened? Okay, why did that happen? Okay, you know, and they just get through. And this person's trying to explain how they feel and the person's not connecting with it. So sometimes these two can conflict. Uh, the last two here, thinking out loud versus let's take turns. So think out loud communicators, ask questions and make comments as soon as the thought occurs even if the other person happens to be talking at the same time. This one, that's me. So I, I struggle with this one because I'm very much like a squirrel, you know, kind of communicator. I think it most often happens, to be honest, we'll be driving in the car. My wife is sharing things about her day and I'm driving, you know, paying attention to the road and also paying attention to billboards, trying to pay attention to her. And I very much, there'll be times where I get caught She's in the middle of a call and I just see something and I just start talking and I interrupt her completely and it's not a good situation. So learning, that's my, that's, that's my trouble. I gotta work on that. And then the let's take turns communicators. So these are the people that think that communication needs to be very justice, fair play, and there's rules, you know? So it's like, first you talk and then I will talk. You go ahead, now you. Okay, now it's your turn. This my, I'm finished, now you. So there's, this is another you know, type of communication style. And so if you have somebody that's all the time thinking of like what they're gonna say next, and you have a person that's like very like, this is the way it's supposed to be, don't interrupt me, you're gonna find that there can be some conflict between those two styles. And so what do we do? How do we deal with these different communication styles? And the, the truth is, now there's not one that's right or one that's wrong. We're all created uniquely and differently um, by God. And so these are things that as spouses, as friends, as even with your family members, you know, maybe you have a mom that's one thing or a dad that's one thing and a kid that's one. Th you have to learn what kind of communication style they have and then learn how do I communicate despite the differences. And so we're gonna give, uh, I'm gonna give you guys a few um, tips to hopefully help us all. So the first one is how do we listen? How do we listen? Uh, so uh, I will say real, before I hop in. So uh, one fun thing about me as well is I'm actually a communications major. That's what I studied in college. 
So uh, you would think that that would, you know, help me in my marriage uh, because, you know, I've studied the communication bridge and I know both people talk and you meet in the middle and I know the theory, I know all this stuff. Well, the truth is, I'm human and I make mistakes too. And so these tips uh, are things that I think we all probably know, but at the same time, it's, it's more difficult to put them into practice. So I'd encourage you guys to take notes and then uh, work on these uh, in your marriage as well. So number one, in order to learn how to listen, we need to learn to give focused attention. Now, Pastor Ryan, a few, I don't know, six, eight months ago, he gave a really cool illustration. And he basically said, you know, there's different ways we can communicate. There's back to back. This is not a good situation. So if you're at odds with your spouse and you're yelling at a wall and she's yelling at a wall, that's probably not really fixing things very good. And then you have an option where it's like side by side. And I would propose this is better than yelling at a wall, but this still isn't an ideal situation because you're not facing each other. You're not giving focused attention. But the ideal like Pastor Ryan showed, was to face each other and give each other focused attention. And when you do that, it's a whole lot easier to, to understand what they're saying and how they're saying it and figuring out how to communicate together. And so my encouragement to you is to give focused attention. Uh, and one funny thing about that, so there's a passage from Proverbs 7.24. It says, and now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. There's actually two types of people when you're giving uh, focused attention. Some people stare at eyeball to eyeball and some people stare at your mouth. Either way, that's okay if you're focused, okay? So the point is to be a focused person and be talking to each other um, this way. And I, and I was thinking about this this morning and, you know, in light of that point, I realized, you know, probably having really hard conversations in a vehicle isn't the best choice because you don't have the ability to give that focused attention. And so I'd encourage you, you know, if that's often a time where conflict can arise, maybe learning to put that on pause and say, hey, this is a great conversation. I'd love to have this, but can we do it when I can sit with you face to face? It's going to make us, uh, it's going to make the whole thing go a lot better. All right, number two, listen with acceptance and understanding. Proverbs 24.3 says, by wisdom, a house is built and by understanding it is established. And so one of the things that we have to do is when we're listening, don't immediately become so defensive, become so frustrated that you're unable to listen and understand and accept what they're saying. Uh, I'm just going to go right to the next point and then I'll tie it all together. The next one is focus on what is being said, not the way it's being said. And so this is really um, a way that we can get uh, caught, all right? So if the... the your spouse is saying something that's true, but they're saying it with an angry voice, you know, or angry eyes. Uh, you might not receive it as well because you're like, well, you shouldn't be that angry. Why aren't you just talking to me? And the reality is, is that as a listener, we need to be able to take what is being said, not the way it is being said, and listen with acceptance and understanding. Most of the time, conflicts arise in your marriage because there's something that needs to be dealt with. We're not you know, we don't just have uh, conflicts for conflicts, although a lot of times, you know, there's, uh, I was listening to the sermon example and this wife and uh, husband were having this big argument because he threw the towel on the floor and she couldn't believe that he's a towel dropper. How could you drop the towel on the floor? And he's like, it's just the towel, like really. But there could be, you know, that might be one thing. Maybe it's, it's probably really not that big an issue, but maybe it's an underlying issue of other things. And the, the purpose is 
learning how to not just become defensive, not get upset, but listen with acceptance and understanding and focus on what is being said, not the way it's being said. And I can think of no better example for that one than the Pharisees. You guys, maybe you uh, know, but there's this passage in Matthew uh, chapter 23 where Jesus straight up lights up the Pharisees and calls them all sorts of things. He says, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. There's like seven woes. One of them's like, woe to you. You guys are like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, you're dead on the inside. And I just think of, man, if just one or two of the Pharisees that heard Jesus, because Jesus was actually being righteously angry. Hmm. Uh, but if one, of those, one or two of those Pharisees could have taken what Jesus said to them and actually applied it, focused on what was being said and not being offended by what, uh, you know, the way he was saying it, it could have really changed their lives. But you find, I put the 26, verse three and four in your program. Basically that verse just says, and after he said these things, they plotted to kill him. So they didn't do a very good job of focusing on what instead of the way. Um, so that's the listening side. So that's super important, learning how to listen well. And so I'd encourage you to take those things, put them to practice. The second thing uh, that you really wanna learn how to do is how to express yourself because communication is a, it's a back and forth. And so the first principle if you didn't already fill it in, because you probably could guess, is think before you speak. Uh, the Bible says to make, an, uh, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. When we actually slow ourselves down and think what we want to say before we say it, um, a lot of times that can solve a lot of the issues. And I think it actually goes really well with the next point, which is not everything you are feeling needs to be expressed. In Proverbs 10, it says, 19, it says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. So this one, this is one I think we all can work on for sure, is that a lot of times we can draw lines in the sand. We don't need to draw lines in the sand. We uh, can get frustrated over things that maybe um, are things you need to address but finding out a way to ex express it in a way where um, you're not getting in trouble, <laughs> you know, is, is a good, good idea. And that really goes along with this last one here. This is speak in a way that encourages. There are so many passages in scripture that talk about um, edifying speech and building each other up. And this is one um, from Ephesians 4, 29. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it might give grace to those who hear. And so we do have to learn that when you apply these things together, when you think before you speak, when you realize that not everything you're feeling needs to be expressed and you speak in a way that encourages, it's really gonna help get through some of those tough things, uh, tough times in your marriage. But I do wanna give a quick little caveat to that is that um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have arguments. I'm not saying you shouldn't confront things in your marriage. The Bible is very clear that um, we do have responsibility to lovingly confront when issues are undermining the relationship. And so um, the purpose of that is that we have to learn how to trust in God to know what things I need to say to my spouse to continue to build up our marriage. Because the purpose is oneness. The purpose is for us to be together. And I think uh, it, you know, one of the, the, the challenges um, that we have is that we have an enemy. 
And it's not your spouse. <laughs> it's, it's the same enemy that was in the Garden of Eden. And, you know, if you can think about the original marriage, Adam and Eve in the garden, they got to walk and talk with God every single day. They got to have this amazing relationship with their creator. And I'm sure they had differences. They had things, but they had God who was right there who they could help work things out with. And that was the design. That is how God designed it from the beginning. But now we don't have a garden of Eden. We don't have a God that physically walks and talks with us, but we do have something else that's so huge. We have the Holy Spirit. And my encouragement to each and every person here in your marriage, in your life, we have to learn to trust in the Holy Spirit to help get us through these moments. Because, you know, there's a lot of good tips here. And I think we all, you know, mentally would say, yeah, I want to do all those things. I want to walk this way. I want to listen this way. I want to talk this way. I want to express myself. But if we try to do these things as a, a oneness with God and oneness with our spouse without relying and, and inviting the Holy Spirit into our marriage, we are going to struggle way more than we need to. Because Jesus was, was pretty clear, you know, uh, in, in uh, Matthew... I'm not sure. Anyway, um, there's a passage in scripture where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And, you know, this is actually, it's, it's in Matthew like 14 through 16, 17, somewhere in there. And they, he basically says, I'm about to go and I'm going to be gone. But don't worry because the Holy Spirit is coming. And he said this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So I can tell you there's no better step to take in your marriage if you forget all those tips today than to invite the Holy Spirit to come in to your marriage and say, I need help. And I can testify with like real world experiences. There's been times in my marriage where I've not done what I was supposed to do. I've not had uh, acted in the most, you know, lovingly, loving way with my spouse and my wife. And um, after there's some time, you know, after I've, you know, maybe expressed myself angrily or whatever, I've been, I've gone to God in prayer and I've basically just said something like, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, I've really messed up. I don't know what to say right now. I don't know what to do, but I know that you are my helper and you can help me. And you know what's really cool? He does. And you know what else is really cool? Is that your spouse, if they're a follower of Jesus, they have the Holy Spirit living inside them too. And when you begin to submit to the Holy Spirit, when you begin to allow him to work in your life, even if they're not in the same place as you are yet, the Holy Spirit's gonna begin to work in them because as uh, a follower of Jesus, you're beginning to submit to the design that God has put in place and God begins to do amazing things in your marriage. So that's my encouragement to you is rely on the Holy Spirit to lead you in your marriage. We've talked now, this is the last uh, message in the series, um, but if there's one thing you can take away, I encourage you to do that. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.